Welcome to our podcast, Learning is Disruptable. Together, we will explore the intersection of disruptive innovation and education. When we say disruptable, we're not talking about the disruptive student who's causing chaos in the classroom. We're talking about the need, potential, and path for pursuing change. Disruptive innovation is a business theory referring to when a new product or service competes with something offered by a larger, more established business and eventually replaces it. The typical education system is so vast that it's almost impossible to change without starting something much smaller. Homeschools, microschools, and co-ops provide many opportunities to approach learning differently because each student can have customized learning experiences. The world has and is changing drastically, yet our public education system has not. We hope to add to the conversation regarding a need for change, a need for disruption in the world of education. It's time to disrupt what you thought you knew about learning. We're really excited to introduce you today to Nancy Cervelier. She has a master's degree in library science and a master's of arts in education. She's got experience in both public school and public library settings. As a side benefit, she is one of the awesome librarians at our local library. We learned some new things from this interview and we thought we were connected with our library. So what you ought to do is go check out your local library and get to know the librarians. Welcome everybody to the Learning is Disruptable podcast. We're really excited this week to interview one of our favorite public librarians from our local library, the Rowlett Public Library. So Nancy is here with us. Nancy, will you just introduce yourself real quick? Okay. Well, uh, my name is Nancy Chevalier, and I am our public services supervisor. So often that gets described as, yes, I'm the chaos coordinator. I am the cat herder. Um, any program that we do at the library, I kind of oversee and help implement so that's all our story times all of our summer reading winter reading any of our adult activities that we have like our book club and our tinker tuesday um, any guests that come in to speak with us so whether it's cindy cavallini and her animals or any of the other guests that we have i kind of help arrange those and just make sure we have plenty of things to do at the library that's awesome. The library is more than just books. At least here it is. Oh, yes. Not that books are bad. We like those too. We love books. Well, yeah. Oh, they're great. Yeah. And then, of course, there's all the other digital stuff that we have too. That's right. Well, let's jump into our questions. I know we're going to touch on a lot of these things. So what kinds of uh, innovative things have you seen libraries do that might be new to people that haven't been to their local library recently enough? Oh, well, libraries have started partnering with a lot more organizations nowadays. Uh, Dallas is very well known for where they will partner with a lot of senior services and a lot of homeless services. So people who have kind of gotten down on their fortune and need assistance that we sometimes think of as like social work. Uh, we're working on trying to do that here in the future for our Rowlett citizens because economies come and go and job opportunities come and go, your health comes and goes. And so sometimes when you're in that tumult, you, you need a little help. The other thing is, is that we do uh, STEM kits now. So they're take-home kits that you can use at your home to expand your kids' horizons with science, math, art. Um, we even have one that's good for just a good family night where it's a bunch of board games and other games that you can try, trivia games with your family. We are not doing it yet, but we've discovered a library in New York does a library of things. So if you want to try out how to play the ukulele and you don't want to buy a ukulele, you can check one out from your library or you can check out a set of golf clubs and learn how to golf or board games, power tools, things like that, where they're probably a little more on the expensive end, but we want the community to get enrichment and learning and be able to do the things they need to in life to succeed. 
So if that means you got to fix a toilet and you don't have a whole tool set that's, you know, a couple hundred dollars, you could rent one from a library now. So we're working on that. It's logistically, we can't do it at Rowlett yet. Our space is a little tiny, but those are the kinds of things we're thinking of to add for our patrons as future services. Um, And then of course, there are all of the online resources that are available, like uh, Udemy is now available. Great for any of our professionals out there who want to do skills with communication or learning more about presence or how to just write better, you know. So there's also more that we've added with our ebooks and audiobooks, uh, more with our videos that we've added online. Although I will say our, our physical collection has probably put Blockbuster out of business. I think we own more DVDs than anywhere else that people constantly check out. And then, like, if you can think of it, libraries are trying it. We haven't done it yet either, but now there's a good opportunity for senior citizens and people of other cultures where you can sort of check out a person which is basically we invite different guests to come in. And if you've never talked to a Buddhist, you can sit down and just talk to a Buddhist for an hour. If you've never talked to someone of say the Mormon faith, you can come in and talk to them. Or if you've never talked to a plumber before, you can come in and talk to a plumber. Or if you've never talked to a mom with more than one kid, you know, and you're a new mom and you want all the tips and tricks, you can come in and talk to a mom and you basically just treat them kind of like they're your own little audio file that you can ask all these questions and just get to know things about them. And a lot of libraries have gone to these sort of unique resources because we realize that we are about information. We are about knowledge. We are about enrichment. And yes, traditionally that happened through books. That was one of the best ways to disseminate that information. But in the modern age, we can use other people because transportation is so much easier. We can use digital because, you know, the internet is pretty much everywhere and everybody's got their cell phone like strapped to them, right? So um, just about if you can think of it, probably ask. And if our library can't do it, we probably know a library that does do something like that. And we don't mind referring you, Um, which that's one of the things I think people also forget about with libraries. We are a connection of resources and information. So while we may not be able to do something for you, we will work to find a library that does, whether it's Garland or Dallas or Saxe or Plato or Frisco. Because um, we are blessed in this Metroplex to have so many resources. I learned new stuff. There's stuff that you just described there that, like, whoa, I thought we were connected to the library. And, like, because we we live so close and we're there all the time. I mean, y'all know all our kids' names and things. Yes. So. Well, and I love just how broad the library libraries in general are becoming in connecting us to knowledge in whatever form it is, whether it's a a physical item, a person, you know, the person thing is really intriguing to me because not only does that help us learn, but it helps us to build a community. Yes. Jumping into families, why should families use the public library to support their efforts to educate their children, regardless of how they choose to educate their kids, whether that's public school, homeschool, or you name it? So a lot of the resources I listed earlier are there, Uh, and it doesn't matter whether you homeschool or whether or not you use the public education system. We have speakers that can augment anything your child is learning. Uh, We also, like I said, have the STEM kits that they can check out and also supplement your learning. We have BrainFuse, which is an online resource uh, that has many subjects attached to it. Also, if you'll go in and look at our resources, there are several databases we get through the state of Texas called TechShare, which are really free to any citizen of Texas. Uh, Your public library just um, allows you to have access to those much easier than trying to go to the Texas State Archive 
to dig through their website and pull those out. Um, so we've we've had people come in and they need to do research on the college level and the high school level and even homeschool level. And we will point you in the direction of those databases because there's things like fact files. And if you're doing stuff on social uh, history or if um, you have people who study debate topics for their debate competitions and there are tests and quizzes in there. Uh, we run our GED program, which has been beneficial for some of our homeschoolers because not every college is very accepting of a homeschool transcript. So a lot of students want to go ahead and hedge their bet and take that GED test. Also a part of that is there are sample GED tests off in there that they can take. Um, we have our tutors that will come in. What we do is a diagnostic. We see like where you're a little low in or whether you're high in a certain area. And we work with you one-on-one -on -one so that you pass those subject tests. Plus there's the story times, which give you a good social aspect for your children. And then all of the other activities that we do for kids, along with like our teams, we're starting the Lego Robotics League. So we will be competing in first Lego League this year with the team. And that is another way for specifically our homeschoolers, if they just don't feel comfortable trying to enter into such competitions on their own and do the logistics of the coaching and learning how to code and buying the expensive Lego kits because, you know, $500 Lego kit is expensive for a lot of families. Um, but we've been blessed with a grant so that we can purchase such materials. And so we don't want our homeschool students especially to miss out on those types of opportunities just because they're not plugged into public education. And the same goes for when we invite guest speakers. We, you know, please take advantage of bringing your children to those guest speakers. If you have suggestions, we take those too, because we are here for the community and we really do want to be a part of educating our community. And if that means, you know, we, we need more scientists to come out and speak, then we can arrange that. Um, if we need more book clubs, we can arrange that. The other thing too is just, it's good for kids to learn how to make reading a lifelong venture mm -hmm. as well. And so one of the things Ms. Lauren's really good at is encouraging all of those pre-learning skills where you're singing with your kids, where you're doing the patty cake and rhyming games with your kids, um, where you're actually reading to them because that's modeling to kids and that's how they learn, right? They, they learn from us adults what they should be doing, <laughs> you know? And so if we're reading, if our kids see us reading, then they are more apt to become good readers as well. And if you, we try to nurture that where feel free to teach them or ask us to show your kids, how does the Dewey Decimal System work with the library? So that way they can become more independent and take ownership of their learning and take ownership of their free reading as well. What they like to do for their own independent reading because I think a lot of people feel like, and especially kids, they're only going to read because the teacher assigned it to me or my parents are making me read without realizing, okay, if you pick things that you find engaging, that you find interesting, you'll find that you'll want to read, right? And it doesn't matter whether it's fiction or whether it's nonfiction. And I get that some people have limits on what they would like their children of certain ages to read. And that is perfectly okay. I don't think four-year-olds need to be reading about gruesome murders, you know? <laughs> yeah. But we, we do still have mysteries that are age appropriate. And, you know, so, and we can steer you towards that direction. It's okay. <laughs> you know, uh, there, there are millions of writers out there. There's millions of options. And Another thing is that if we can't provide that literature for you, our interlibrary loan system is fabulous. 
and we have some regulars who will wear it out because <laughs> we get books from all over. Uh, I think we literally just got one from Japan. Somebody was studying something to do with samurai. So, I mean, they take time to get to us, but <laughs> we will put the call out there for you. And I thought I did good uh, getting a kind of old business book out of the University of Houston library, I think it was. That's part of the fun of the interlibrary loan is where did my book come from? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, because I, I actually just flew back and returned a book that um, came from Indiana since I'm, I'm doing a distance schooling up there. And <laughs> I, we looked at it and it was like, oh, this has to go back to where I'm going anyways. I'll just fly back and take it for you. <laughs> That's so funny. That's awesome. So my memory of uh, going to school here locally, there was always the library on the campus of the public school. Are there any kind of collaborations you have with the local school district or any other local educational institutions? You've kind of touched that a little bit, but. Yeah, actually, we do try to do a lot of the story times in the evening just so we can connect with the parents in the community. We've also gone over to the schools so that the kids can kind of get to know us, get used to us, so that they realize that their school library is not the only access they have to books and other digital resources and activities for them to do. And we've also gone in and done a couple of our robotics and coding programs with some of the schools, simply because budgets being what they are. And like I said, not coding is not everybody's jam. So some of the librarians have admitted it. They're like, ah, no. <laughs> and so we come in with all our stuff. And that way the kids aren't missing out on an opportunity to see that or to deal with it. Yes, this is my cat. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've partnered with the schools on things like that too. So that once again, because the schools are in our community, we don't want to leave those students out just because their parents can't bring them physically to our library, but they can get them to school. Um, so we've also done a few other things with book drives as well for students. Uh, we're looking at gearing up for another one as well uh, so that students have things to take home to read uh, so we can avoid some of that sliding that can tend to happen. I'm not sure where we got to with allowing library cards for students in GISD yet. That has some logistics that we have to kind of work out because of GISD being an open district, meaning that you don't have to physically live in the area of the school in order to attend there. Whereas with our library rules, you kind of have to show a couple of proof of residency things. But anytime the schools call us, we are more than welcome to come by and explain what we do, what we have to offer. And if that means we put on a program for them, we're willing to do that too. Those are awesome. Those are great. Maybe we'll jump into summer reading. We've lived here for a decade and we've noticed it's gotten bigger and bigger every year. And so we just want to know what enables you to create such energy around that program and what benefits do you see from it? Oh my gosh, summer reading. We're still recuperating. Yes, it has grown every year. This year we had close to, I want to say close to about 3,000 participants this year. So that has tripled our participation. If we grow by another 20%, we are going to be in trouble because we really are just not, we don't have the physical space for all 300 people to show up like they did when we had the uh, tie-dye for the t-shirt um, event. So that's why people were stuck out on our sidewalk while we did that one too, because it's a, it's a lot for our little space. But basically we start early with that one. Our planning goes basically starting in August and we scour the world pretty much uh, looking for ideas and we get our theme in from the, our consortium the year before. And so that helps us out with trying to figure out what 
what do we want to do as far as activities? What do we want to do as far as speakers? And what materials do we need? So that summer reading has become almost a year round planning project. And I have to admit, Bethany and Lauren, who are our children's librarians and our youth librarians, they are amazing because they come in and they're like, hey, so did you see where like up in Washington state, they're doing this? And did you see where New York is doing this? And I just saw where New Orleans is doing this. And I'm like, yep, we got money. Let's do it. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it really all starts with our CSLPR consortium gives us a theme each year. And then we start from there trying to figure out decorations. What are the activities we could do behind it? We also try to note what kinds of things do our patrons like to do as far as activities? Who do we have as resources that we can call in to you know, become guest speakers for us or um, provide just entertainment? We also try to partner with uh, Parks and Rec Department as well. Uh, so we can do a few things outdoors and kind of let everybody run around for a bit. We have really turned around how we do our logging of the hours. We've had so many people tell us that keeping up with the reading logs has been very engaging for them. Many libraries have gone to a digital form where it's being stacked and there's a few others that you do where it basically it's snap on your phone and every time you read, you log the time in. Well, several of us who've worked for other libraries, we've noticed part of the problem with those systems is that it always becomes the thing I'll do later, right? So you come to the library, you listen to your two books at Storytime with Miss Lauren and People go home and they're like, oh yeah, I need to log that. And how many times have we done that with other things where it's like, oh yeah, I need to do that when I get home. And of course, by the time you've gone and run groceries and taken people to soccer and picked up people from swimming, and then you had to call your friends to see what they needed. And by the time you get to the house and have made dinner, like you have forgotten about that logging them two books that you read today. So so many people have told us just having the physical form and that way they're able to fill it out like right there on the spot or we're able to just stamp it for them on the spot has been so much more helpful for them. One of the other things that we, reasons we did it that way too is because a vast majority of our participants are kids. And kids until they are, you know, our little tweens, they, developmentally really are in the concrete operational phase of their life. So that means they need physical things. They need things they can touch. They need things they can see. They need things that they can hear, right? And we all think that kids are digital, which they are to a point, but that doesn't mean that's how their brain still functions and still operates. So when we are, you know, people told us, they're gonna lose these pieces of paper. They're gonna lose these logs. We're gonna be reprinting this stuff over and over. And we have been amazed. These kids have drugged these folders and these booklets to everything. And they, they remember better than us that it needs to be stamped. It needs a sticker. It needs your signature. And I think it's because of that. Developmentally, they need that concrete tactile sensation. And that's what those booklets and those records provide for them. And we've also tried to not only give them more of that by having little activities where they draw or the fact that they have to actually color in their time, but just making it so that they're also responsible for their book seems to also be very encouraging to them because I think it helps them take ownership of the program because it's something they have to turn it into us, you know, right? So they, that means you have to keep up with it if you want your weekly prize. And that has caused some problem with some of our kids where they get a little upset, but I will say our parents have been champs about, okay, we'll come back tomorrow. I'm sorry, I forgot it on the refrigerator. We will go home, we will get it. And sure enough, they come back and they are just so proud. And we get excited too, because we're like, yay! 
I love it. And I think there's a lot to that of having a physical something you can look back at. Most of my day job is is digital. I'm working on the computer. Yes. I take care of facilities. Sometimes I get to go outside and plant flowers. I can't do that all the time, but it, sometimes it's so nice to just stick my hands in the dirt. And that's the, oh, yes. the same thing. Yeah. And the, and the kids have been super great about it. Like I said, I think they have been the driving factor for a lot of our success with that because they, I mean, I, I tell you what, there's nothing like watching a six-year-old look up at her grandfather and go, I told you to grab our logs. <laughs> He's just standing there like, I'm sorry. I, she said, I, ma'am, she said something about them logs and I, 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 I guess I wasn't paying attention. I will bring them back tomorrow. That's awesome. <laughs> well, and another thing I love about the summer reading program and just all the programs that you have for kids is when they inspire more learning. And one example I have specifically was you guys did an escape room activity. And we were going from room to room, solving puzzles and, and then getting the prize at the end. And it was so inspiring for our kids that they came home and we had to create our own Lord of the Rings inspired <laughs> escape room. And it turned into hours of, you know, that hands-on learning that how can we make this puzzle? What can we do for this clue? And that to me was more fun than the, even the awesome escape room that the library put on was, was that learning experience I got to have with my kids afterwards. Which I will tell you now, that is probably the biggest response we have gotten from parents. We were flooded with emails for months about how people made their own escape rooms at home after they came from ours. That's awesome. So I will say we are planning another one. <laughs> There's a Mark Rober video on YouTube where he talks all about escape rooms. So we, we looked at y'all's. He teaches you how to think about them. And then here's how you make puzzles. And it was it was great. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and to that, that always goes back to, like, I cannot say enough. The people that we have at Rowlett, just the sheer talent at that library, like, it floors me. Like, I have never worked anywhere else where you have so many talented, capable, and competent, and actually just genuine people who work there. I've worked in the school districts and they can be a little hostile environment. Um, a lot of my friends work in corporate. That can be a little hostile, but everybody at Rowlett pitches in on ideas. They work on ideas. So while I would love to take credit for how great and awesome that escape room was, um, that was not all of us. Like even our assistant, Lisa, most people will never see or know about Lisa because she's the one who basically makes sure I don't spend all of our money. But she even came up with ideas for us that we could use for part of the puzzle and how to set it up, you know. So it, it, it very much, a, a lot of our activities at the library, I think one of the reasons we are successful is because it is truly a team effort. It, it doesn't matter what level you're there, everybody pitches in and contributes to an idea. But that is what we want. So with our students, like we just did our Star Wars Day, which um, you guys got a chance. And one of the things we decided to change this year was with our snack bar that we have where the kids actually have to pay us for their items. And so Lauren came up with the idea of what if we did a treasure hunt, so to speak. And Bethany actually expounded on that and turned it into like the junk search. And she was like, yeah, cause I play this game and you have to negotiate with this Jawa. So of course I run to the 501st and I'm like, I know y'all got a Jawa. I need somebody here. <laughs> and they provided, but we had a lot of our parents who were like so excited about that because if their kid had a little extra energy, go run through the library, start finding some money. Um, <laughs> or we also had a lot of kids too, who they're starting to work on those math skills, those money math skills. And so to them, it was another opportunity um, 
without a whole lot of stress for their kid to, you know, kind of learn, well, you know, if you've only got six points, honey, you can't get everything on the menu. I need, I need you to make some, some decisions. Okay. What do you really want? (laughs) You know, um, as an adult, we sometimes practice that on Amazon, right? (laughs) Sometimes that unfortunately there's one click ordering. So they're, they're devious. Yes. And credit cards. We might have to bring that skill in next year. (laughs) Credit management. (laughs) So we, we do try to look for some of those things where we can work on those real world skills that kids are going to need, but bring it down on their level um, without it having, you know, being too punitive, shall we say, you know, like we were not about to let a kid just not get a juice or a star crunch because they were so small, they couldn't figure out where any of the junk is, right? Like we would have gladly walked around and <laughs> helped you find stuff and help you talk, you know, because there's also that social component that we want to give to kids too, where, you know, I'm sure it was not comfortable talking to that jaw wash. She was kind of strange looking. So I'm sure a lot of kids were just like, mm, I don't know about this one. <laughs> That's awesome. But, you know, um, they were they were working on their assertiveness with that. And, and that is important, too. You, you have to um, learn how to be assertive in growing up. That's part of those social emotional skills. And I know people think assertive is a bad word. I'm not talking about aggressive. But I am talking about, you know, assertiveness where you have to be comfortable in yourself and um, show that you are willing to, you know, face people. So um, some of our kids got to work on that. Well, and I think that the public library is a great place to work on that, whether or not it's Star Wars Day. Because when my kids come to me with a question of how do I find this book or you know, whatever whatever the question is, I can say, go ask the librarian and in the beginning, that's really hard skill for them to yes. approach the librarians. But it's so important, especially in this digital age, when it's so easy to just send a text or send an email to actually have a face-to-face conversation with a living, breathing human being and feel confident in your ability to do that. Yes. Yeah. We, we initially get a lot of kids looking at the floor, um, hiding behind their parents. Um, <laughs> but we, we are used to it. So um, I think all of our staff has tried to, you know, just slowly work with people, um, get on their level if we have to, or um, one of the nice tricks too is you can start showing kids a bunch of stuff and they're like, uh-uh. <laughs> and then that inner frustration comes in in a good way. And, and so they're now like, no, this is what I'm looking for. And you're like, there you go. That's all you had to say. <laughs> But yeah, lots of social skills get learned at the library. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, one of the things that I think we've talked with you about a little bit is you're working on a makerspace, even despite your uh, acknowledged limited geography and phenomenal cosmic power, itty bitty living space. Yes, I wish I had Mary Poppins bag, okay? There you go, for real. But I bet you're not the only library that wishes you had more space. So what tips or recommendations might you have for a librarian for bringing in a makerspace, uh, even just to get started? Um, Well, we started small and that was, we picked one thing that we thought would be very popular or at least many of our patrons would want to know and try. We started with the Cricut because we had one cricket there, our friends were able to purchase another one for us. So that gave us two. And then of course we invited people to bring their own, which is a great way to actually start a lot of these maker sort of tech things. Because in that class, one of the things we learned is lots of people got them for Christmas and lots of people still have them in the box. (laughs) So, we encourage people, bring it with you, and we will baby step you through setting it up, figuring out how it works, getting your account set up with the company so you can start your own designing or just downloading. You know, 
basically walk you through it so you you don't have to be concerned about tearing it up at home. You, you have somebody there who can help sort of guide you through it, you know, and get you comfortable with using the products. Um, same thing has happened with our 3D printers. So we went ahead and purchased our 3D printers because we thought it was something the teens would really be interested in, which they were. They took off like ducks to water with that, um, making little miniature figurines because D&D is still popular. But with that, it turned into we had three adults who brought theirs because once again, it was, well, we bought this thing and I set it up and I've watched YouTube and it hasn't printed anything yet. <laughs> so, you know, we were able to walk them through, you know, okay, here's how you level it. Here's how you, you have to take this sort of file you have to convert it, you know, and they were like, wait, what? I have to convert the file? I'm like, yes, you have to convert the file. Well, <laughs> you know, so even then there are a lot of things we think YouTube can teach us everything, but <laughs> this is where librarians are handy. Yes. Cause we actually know everything. It's kind of sounding like that. Like, can we just download all the stuff that y'all are able to do? <laughs> I guess that's a movie and it didn't turn out right. for most of the people in the movie. So. Yeah. That's how we really, really started growing things, honestly, um, especially with the high tech, you know, if you don't have a whole lot of space, one of the things we realized, if we can just get one or two of things and encourage those who are interested in it or already have that equipment, but you can't really figure it out, bring your equipment. Because one of the things that was nice was the people who did bring their crickets, the people who did bring their 3D printers, the people who have brought their shirt presses, um, they were still very willing to let others partner and try. And they also got to share like few things that they figured out. Um, granted, it was a lot of don't do that, but that's still important knowledge, trust me. Um, and it kept the library for having to be on the hook for so much equipment. Like I said, we've been blessed this year. So we did get a grant from the state of Texas. So we were able to up our equipment. The next phase of our Maker Monday, which became Tinker Tuesday, um, which also is turning into um, our Maker Lab. So one of the things that is unfortunate with our space is that we cannot leave that equipment out all the time. I, we physically do not have the space to have it just out and about for people to use readily and still run all the other programs at the library. Um, we also do not have the staff to oversee and take care of it and monitor it while other people use it, um, much like the larger libraries like Dallas and Plano can. So we are trying this maker lab where it is one day that we will leave it open for people all day to figure out where they can come in and plug it into their schedule to use any of our equipment. And we can arrange for somebody to be there to help them out, um, whether it's a, they're just learning how to use the equipment or they've already had a project in mind. They were just waiting until that Saturday so they could come in and use our stuff and make their thing. And that, was actually a suggestion by another smaller library where that's what they do as well. They just pick once or twice a month. They are now up to twice a month that they do it for their people. Like I said, this is new for us. So we're going to try with this third Saturday. It may expand beyond that into a weekday. We may try doing it two Saturdays a month, that sort of thing. But it's once again, it's, it's a, we have to flex what we have, you know, um, and there's a lot of timeshare that happens with trying to do these activities. So you're talking about your Tinker Tuesday. What's the most fun class that you've run on that one? Actually, there's been a lot. I, I have to admit the butter making was still fun, even though um, <laughs> we only had a few people, <laughs> but we all got an upper body workout that day. And it was still fun because of the social aspect. 
probably the largest that just turned into a sheer party was when we did our painting without a twist. So where we took the painting with a twist model where we had people come in and they were going to do a couple painting together. And I started out showing them, you know, from the beginning of laying out their sketches and we fill in the picture with them painting it. That one still turned out pretty fun. Um, we, we were able to have non-alcoholic drinks because being um, a city site, we, we cannot have alcohol on site, but people still had a good time with our mocktails and um, it just turned into a party. We had people who had never painted before and this one teenager who like blew us out of the water and so that one became really fun because not only was it I'm showing people how to paint and and people are socializing people also got up and went around to see everybody else's picture and so that that has probably been one of my faves the next fave has been when we did the charcuterie boards and we did word burning I've had two people so far who came back and were like yep I told my kids I want one of them wood burning kits. Yeah, they've all been fun to me. Yeah, and tying this back into our homeschool kids, I know a lot of these programs you have for 14 and up, so those older teens get to be included. Mm-hmm. And for a mom like me where I was like, I would love my kids to have th- these experiences, but again, like you mentioned, some of these things are really expensive. And so it's a great opportunity for homeschool families to try these different tools and things and and develop some skills for their kids who are just starting out and and trying to figure out what what they're interested in. Yeah, in fact, um, we do have one couple that regularly attends with the Tinker Tuesdays, and they do have younger children. And just because of liability issues, we don't have the kids there. But they come, they take the classes, they learn how to use all of the equipment and everything, And then they are able to decide, is this something that our kids could learn or try? And they've also had a chance to come in and play with it, tinker with it, kind of make all the mistakes. So that way, when they go home and work on it with their kids, you know, they've worked out all of the kinks. It's not a complete hot mess, you know. And I would definitely encourage that for any of the parents, Um, whether you have a kid who's homeschooled or whether or not you have a kid that's in public education, come to, come to our sessions uh, and you yourself can learn. And if you're wanting to figure out how to bring it down to where you can um, show it to your kids, have it be more kid friendly, ask me. I I don't mind that at all. I taught art for three years uh, in an elementary school and I taught in middle school. So I do understand what it takes in order to sort of bring those things down and how to um, step them out a little bit or um, some of the extra safety concerns that you would have to consider with kids, you know, and and sometimes with kids too, it's a little different prep, you know, Um, as adults, we can dive right in. But then if you're dealing with a four-year-old, there are certain chemicals you need to mix ahead of time that you know, whereas you might can trust a 14-year-old to mix them, you know, even though they're just household products, we'd like our house to still be there when the four-year-old got done. (laughs) So what's the best way for community members to let their library know what resources and classes that they would like to see offered? And also, how can the community support the library's mission and its continued evolution in serving educational needs? Oh, there's a lot. Easiest, come by, talk to us. We are there. Like I said, Miss Lauren is awesome when it comes to your zero to four. She does our, uh, she's our children's librarian. She does the littles. She knows all those pre-literacy skills um, that you can work on your kid with. That includes sign language, which we've had to use for adults too, who ask for assistance with DART and we are their translators. But If that's something you're interested in for pre-language with your kid, she's an expert in that. Miss Bethany is also um, awesome as well. She gets to do our grade school kids. 
And so she is the one who does a lot of our robotics, a lot of our STEAM activities. She also has a degree in music. So if that's something you're trying to expand in your homeschool life, she can help you get some ideas there. Um, Colton, who is our cataloger, is also a music major. And he's been very resourceful about that. He also came to us from Sanger. So he um, knows lots of other connections out there um, for if you're wanting to get into music or if you are looking for decent dance schools or if you're um, trying to figure out uh, programs for language learning, things like that. And then I get everything else. <laughs> because I, I'm technically our adult librarian. So, but even if it's your teens and you're working on that, get ready for college. So like filling out FAFSA, if that, you know, you want those grants and scholarships, I can help you with that. Um, if you're trying to do research for what schools to send your kids to or have them try to apply to, you know, that's what I'm here for. If we need to brush up on computer skills, we need to work on resumes, CVs, or, um, like I said, the GED program as well, we can get you plugged into those things. For those who may homeschool and they are still learning English, we are looking at expanding our ESL classes so that we can try to do a little more with those who homeschool and are learning English. But of course, for our adults, you're more than welcome to come to our ESL classes with that. The next best thing is if you don't wanna talk our ear off, by coming in and speaking with us. Um, you can always give us a phone call. Uh, you can also email any questions to reference at rowlet.com. And that is a general mailbox. So any one of us librarians will answer it. And the other way, of course, check out our website. We try to keep that updated for you guys. Um, it has links to so many of our resources. Um, it'll get you to our catalog. So that is where you can access all of those TechShare resources that I talked about for if you're doing research or if you're trying to look for more materials to supplement your homeschooling or BrainFuse if like you're stuck they actually have live tutors that you can have your kids talk to, right? Especially like we start getting into derivatives and all that higher math stuff. But like one of my faves is Chilton. I cannot express like how useful those kinds of manuals are for if you want to make, make auto mechanics or plumbing or, you know, some of those industrial arts part of your curriculum as a homeschool person, because those are fields that we need to not forget about as the person who just paid a plumber a lot of money. They're viable job sources, you know. And then, of course, there's our Facebook, there's our Instagram, you can go on there. And we also publish a monthly calendar that you can pick up at the library. And I also suggest people sign up to get our newsletter as well. Um, it will come into your email box. You can go through it, read it. We put all of the good stuff off in there, suggestions, tips, upcoming activities. Um, it even connects to Miss Lauren's one for story time where she puts even more resources for you on things you can work on for pre-literacy skills with your little one as well. And then, um, like I said, we have our after-school programs. So we're doing the robotics, we're doing the STEAM squad, uh, we're doing the elementals. That is where we get all that science, art, and technology in there for you as well. Once again, if it's not your jam, bring your kids in. We can get them some of that learning credit. And then last but not least, I mean, you know, we, we try to be out there for you. So just, just come in and ask us. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for time. I know you're speaking specifically to Rowlett Public Library, but I know any of our listeners who aren't here in the area, look at your public library. It's going to have a lot, if not more, of the same resources and 
And if they don't have those resources, send them to our podcast so that they can hear Nancy tell them how to do it right. And uh, no, but we are so grateful for our public library. I know I've heard experienced homeschool moms say, you know, we just, we did homeschool with a library card and, you know, a math curriculum or something, you know, like you really don't have to have a lot to be successful in educating your kids, but a public library, because of the wealth of resources it has, it could be just so great. So do you have any final thoughts for us to share with the audience before we close? Yes. Go to your library, talk to your librarians. There are probably way more resources than we have time to ever talk about. Libraries are so connected nowadays. And like you said, if your local library cannot provide for you, chances are we know another library that can, and we will do the best that we can to get you connected to them. If that means we have to, like here in Texas, get you a tech share so you can borrow from them, we will work on that. If that means that I have to call another library and send them over for you to walk them through. And it's not just public libraries. There are municipal libraries out there too. We send a lot of people to the county library that because they need help with looking up stuff for law and they need help stuff looking um, with the court system. So we talk to a lot of the law librarians as well in the area. There's real estate librarians. I have talked to a rock librarian. I presume you mean geologic rocks, not music rocks. There's probably both. There's both, actually. And I even know the guy who runs the American Clown Museum. He's the librarian for them. So, yes, find your local librarian and we we will... find a way to hook you up to whatever information you need, whatever help you need. We even help people figure out like field trips that they can take and how to get discounts so that, you know, like I said, their kids can get that learning, you know, Um, whether it's the local orchestra or whether it's, uh, you know, movie days, zoos, arboretums, like just ask us. We, We probably know how to get you a hookup on whatever you want to learn about and whatever you need to help you with homeschooling your kids. Thanks, Nancy. That's so inspiring. Thanks for listening to the Learning is Disruptable podcast. Share this episode with a friend, subscribe to the show, and leave us a five-star review. See you soon.